Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Nick Bogart, and I'm going to be the host tonight. Yes! I tied Tim up, threw him in a closet. Uh, actually, not really. I think he's at Medieval Times uh, laughing and joking it up. He's had a whole lot of meetings, finished moving, and this week it's all been uh, some crazy work stuff as far as I understand it. And they took him out for dinner. So that's pretty cool. But it's not going to be just me, even though I know you're all dying for an episode that's just me. Tonight, I have Sean from Metal King Studio with us. We had Sean on before for his game Relic Blade. Sean? Yeah, hey, hi, everybody. <laughs> um, he was running a Kickstarter for it. It ended successfully, and he's actually just finished fulfillment. We were... We were trying to aim for as he was in fulfillment or, you know, right about now. The awesome part is I actually got my set today. I'm, I'm kind of happy about that. Yeah, have you had a chance to pop it open yet? No, actually, I, was, I, was, uh, I wasn't sure if I, I almost popped it open but while I was waiting. And then I'm like, you know what? I may just wait to, uh, to open it while, while we're uh, talking at some point. Ooh, that's a fun idea. I know. I was like, you know, we can we can do an unboxing that nobody can see. Yeah, that's the perfect kind. Their imagination's gonna be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so I can say all these nice things about it and whatnot. But all right, Sean, how's it been going? Uh, really, really super crazy. Uh, but man, like I'm done with fulfillment as of like last night and uh it's it's been a really crazy journey so far like i gotta say really crazy i saw your uh you're rolling up to the post office with all the boxes to ship out yesterday what did what did you say in the post there was like 700 of them going out uh not quite that it was like uh probably about 150 i filled the whole cart uh at the post office with them it was pretty fun to, to go with so many packages. Like, I think I really stressed one of the ladies out. Just, like, the idea of doing it made her kind of short circuit. <laughs> I could totally see that uh, causing someone to be a little frazzled. There's yeah. usually always, like, 20 people when I go into the post office, so... Yeah, I, yeah, I, I mean, just... all I had to do was drop it off, thankfully, but she was worried about international postage or something. It was really... It was funny, but... Yeah, it worked out. Actually, you know, uh, considering how extremely difficult every step of the way was leading up to it, shipping was a piece of cake. Like, I mean, I I had a label printer. I had all of the packing materials ready. And so it was just a matter of going through. And it only took me like two days of actually like printing labels and shipping stuff to get it done. Just a matter of actually having two days to do it because it's that's so much. <laughs> right. Um, so how how did fulfillment go? Um, you know, the Kickstarter went awesome. You met your target. You ended. You had beer at the brewery. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, well, to start back in at the beginning, I think we were we were most of the way through the campaign last time we talked. I think. Um, I think it was right around when I was changing gears and talking about trying to get together a a nice box set, which now you're holding your hands. Um, 
But I got to say, like through the campaign, even after it was funded, I was it was still extremely stressful to get through, go get through all of that stuff because. I mean, like all the unknowns and as far as stretch goals and how much work you can commit yourself to through the stretch goals, you know, I mean, every little stretch goal you offer is a price point as far as the campaign goes, but you have to consider like how long it'll take you to do it, whether you can still deliver if you offer to do that kind of stuff. And so um, finally, when the campaign ended, I ended up having like about a month worth of work to do before I'd be able to do fulfillment. And, um, and I felt confident and I started working on it. I got like the punch boards ready. I got the uh, finished sculpting a few extra models and sending those away for production. But then when I got to actually making the packaging, that box, um, man, that took like a whole month to get through it. It's a, a lot goes into package design and, you know, I can only afford to make one print run. So I was like really, really working hard to make sure it was came out right. And the art was good and there's the right information and no typos, you know, all of that kind of stuff ended up taking a really long time. But uh, yeah, it's been like a dizzying amount of work. So I'm really glad that that's behind me. Um, so as, as I'm holding it, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it and this is really the first time I, I've really looked at it since I got it. Um, and I've got to say for having just, you know, like one run doing the package design and all that, everything I see on the outside of this box is just amazing. Um, yeah. I'm super pleased with how they came out. I think it's nice because before I didn't really have a good way to present it to someone that I wasn't personally pitching it to, but now I can confidently like set one of those boxes on a shelf. And if someone is inclined to pick it up, they can know everything they need to know about relic wood and get some sweet art in the meantime. Yeah. So, so even that front cover, the art you have done there is just, I mean, it's awesome. It's, it's a lot of the art we've seen all the way through, which has been amazing. But it just, I, I have to say, it is definitely one of my favorite things. Uh, people who have seen it, I've kind of got, you know, anywhere I can, I've got boxes with nice art set up. And, and this is definitely, you know, one of those. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. I feel like I've learned so much in the past year. I mean, like there, there are a, a ton of illustrations that went into this project and, you know, each time I learn new stuff. And so I really feel like doing the box art last, I had, you know, as much experience behind it as I could pushing into making it the best I could. Yeah. And then you flip around and it's, it's one of the uh, key things. Well, not it. Well, actually even before I get to the back. So from the front, then you look at the sides of it and the two long sides, each side has a list of the heroes on one and then on the other side, it has a list of the enemies included, which are the pigmen. And it gives a brief description of both on, on those sides. Mm-hmm. And then on the short sides, it gives you a little bit more, you know, hey, here's a little bit more about the game and some of the cards that are in the game and even just how a little bit of the gameplay, you know. So, you know, every side has some cool looking stuff in just little snippets that I feel are just like, Oh, I'm, I'm interested. Tell me more. 
oh, hey, look, there's another side that is telling me more. Yeah, nice. And then, and then you do get to the back, and it has this good, or, you know, this nice, great big picture, which shows all of the models all clashing, including even the, uh, the special relic that uh, was opened up during the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it does have, you know, the descriptions. It even has some of the, you know, nice little, you know, hey, this is what you're going to need to assemble everything. Um, and those images are, are, are really, you know, they're cute is kind of the word, but they fit. It's, you know, it's, it's all hand-did. Like, I, I hand-drew all of the little... Uh, no one under three should swallow these, all those like warnings and symbols. I, I did like quick hand drawings of them. I I mean, I feel like the handmade like quality is part of the, part of the charm of the aesthetic I've gone for. And it it is. um, And actually hand drawn was the word I was looking for more than cute. I just, it had escaped me for a second. I mean, the pictures are a little bit cute. There's, like, right, they've they've got a cutesy, but it's a hand drawn cutesy art style that it, it looks great. It it doesn't detract from the box, which is awesome. You know, it it adds a little bit to the box. And yeah, I, no, I mean this this is an awesome looking looking box for for everything that's inside of it. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's funny. Every little detail of that box, I had to do, you know, I had to make every little thing for it. Um, even on the back, you see uh, down in the bottom right, there's the photo of the night, and then down next to it, it says Made in the USA. Mm-hmm. But even the American flag symbol, like, I had to make that graphic. Uh, oh, wow. You know, like every little part of it, it, I just had to, you know, get into Adobe Illustrator and like make every little shape, make every little word, every, you know, all these details that ended up taking way longer. But I think the finished product is definitely shows all the care and detail that went into it. Yeah, I, def- I definitely think that there was a lot of care and detail that went in this. I think uh, you have definitely for your first game and it even says first edition down there. I think you've definitely uh, set a high bar. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I really am. I'm really excited that people are going to get the game in hand and be able to start playing it. And then also with the the little extra parts that I was able to add to it through the Kickstarter. Like, I mean, things like the thief character, um, the relic uh, miniature you know, updates to the rule book and the cards and then also the tokens that you haven't gotten to yet. Like all those little things are going to make the play experience so much more immersive. Uh, I'm really excited to see how people react to it and are able to play it because I know it's a good game. And so I'm really looking forward to having more people know and hear and get, get a chance <laughs> to play it, get it on the table. Uh, definitely. I, um, I, I think I will be, uh, taking it with me this weekend it'll it might not get actually painted but um things things will get glued together i'm actually uh heading out tomorrow afternoon to to head back to florida to take care of some things there and i i'm gonna see some friends and i'm probably gonna take it with me and be like hey guys we're totally playing this game tonight oh yeah it's a good one to bust out definitely good 
So I, I am definitely stoked about that. Yeah, so, man, you should you should pop it open. We should do the unboxing since we, <laughs> we went ran through the packaging. All right, here it goes. Opening one of the sides, sliding the box out. I mean, you know, I, I got to narrate it now because you know, there's there's no video. Do the dogs like it? I know the do- the dog apparently likes it, or he saw a rabbit outside. I don't know what. Have that flipped the wrong way. It's trying to fall open now. <laughs> All right. So right off the top, open the box, and there's the Relic Blade Quick Start Guide. Always awesome to have. Well, it's both awesome to have right at the top, and it's also annoying. I'm like, no, I want to see all the cool stuff that you have hidden inside. Yeah. <laughs> Moving that aside, then we actually have the full rule book. Which, once again, looking looking at both of these, the uh, the artwork's amazing. Um, the quick start guides, nice and simple. It's just one one page, front and back. So nice, uh, nice graphics explaining exactly what's happening, including a, a pig picking his nose. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's I, I like that quick start guide. Yeah, I'm really happy. I, w- I wasn't sure how I was going to do it, but I ordered. Uh, I was like, I'm just going to go for it. I don't know if I have the money for it, but I'll just order a bunch of these. And uh, when they arrived in the mail, I was super pleased with the print quality. Like the paper is nice. Everything came out great. Because it's yeah. a pretty good deal, so I wasn't sure how what the quality would be like on the print. But Yeah, no, the... Uh... The print quality is very nice. I like the paper. It, you know, is is a little bit a little bit thicker than your average paper. You know, kind of sturdy, but you know, not too bulky. Folds up nicely, and um, seems to be laid out well. So, because really, all most or all of the instructions to play are actually right on the front. And then it yeah, gives yeah. examples. Back is just, back yeah. is just an example, and then the character cards you need for the uh, for the like introductory game. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, so so right on the front page, you have all of your instructions you actually need to play, and it has a diagram of the card to explain what everything is, and then references to it in those instructions. And then you flip it over, and it gives you some examples and then it tells you the cards that you're going to need or if you don't even want to break out the cards yet i guess it lists the cards you need to play yeah so that is that is definitely definitely pretty cool right there and then we've got the rule book it's got a nice it's nice awesome it's um you've used this artwork somewhere else before too haven't you it's got the yeah, light on it but- the main like promo artwork I did initially for the cover of the rulebook. Gotcha. Um, okay. It's not on any of the cards. Oh no, it is on one of the cards. Uh, the reference card. It's on the back of the reference card for the deck. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, you know, um, 
this once again nicely laid out on the inside. Yeah, so this this uh, rule book here. I've got one right here, and there's there are a few like really minor changes that I made for this print run because through the Kickstarter I was able to print like 500 copies of the book instead of the initial 100 that I had for the um, pre-Kickstarter sets. And so there were just like a few minor changes I made. Uh, and then it was, it was so hilarious. Speaking of like challenges, uh, the first print run came out really nice. And I just wanted to make a few minor changes. You know, like there was one typo where it said my instead of may. So like just one letter missing. Um, <laughs> and that I just wanted to make like really subtle changes that would sort of clarify a few rules that people had asked me questions over the past year. Uh, and then we saved the PDF and sent it to the printer and I got a proof back and like just all of the illustrations came out looking like garbage because the printer I was using got a new press. And so the new press was more sensitive. And so whatever problem that was in my document all came out really like glaring issues and then it took us like two or three weeks to like really track down what the problem was. And it was like the source files were saved in grayscale instead of CMYK. And it, it was just like this amazing headache that I thought it would be the easiest thing, you know, just click reorder on rule books that I already had. And then it turned into like this big saga. That's just, I mean, it's a good example of how it goes when you're dealing with this kind of production stuff. Like just don't, just don't expect anything to be easy. You just be ready to roll with it and work hard. You know? Right. Um, now, the interesting part is you actually put your your author note in the uh, in the back of the book. It's it's actually on the last page. Yeah, that's right. Which which is definitely interesting. I haven't actually had a chance to read it too much, other than. You say that you've designed Relic Blade around a few core principles, that it's a game that would be fun, dynamic, and easy to learn. Yeah. So, and and I've I've seen that um, Ash Ash Barker with Gorilla Miniature Games when he demoed it out, it was uh, it was great to see it. But uh, yeah, no, looking through the rule book. It definitely looks like any problems you had have been more than cleared up. Yeah, yeah, I'm really pleased with how this print run came out. It it definitely looks it looks great. I I like the feel of the book. I like the look. You have a yeah, nice. Speaking of the feel, like you know those details you're talking about, we're all those are all like really deliberate choices, like. Uh, uh, upping the cardstock for the cover, you know, so it has like a good feel to it in your hand. Feels more like a book that way rather than just a, a like pamphlet. Because I mean, it's not terribly long. The game is supposed to be pretty straightforward, so I think the whole thing's like thirty-two pages. But yeah. you know, those little details kind of just bring the whole thing together a little bit. Yeah, and and you're right. You know, it it does. It feels a little bit more like a book. Um, versus like uh, the booklet that comes with X-Wing, you know, which has yeah. a soft cover. You know, it, this this does have a slightly more solid cover, and it feels and opens and 
works just a little bit more like a book. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a subtle difference, but it's the kind of detail that, you know, comic book people or people like myself get, you know, we, we respond to it even if we don't really think too much about it. And, uh, and it is, it is, it is a nice little difference. I do like that. Um, so now moving that aside, there's, there's a couple stacks of cards. Um, one is the equipment cards, it appears. And, uh, it was, it was facing front up and it says the crowdsource. Oh yeah. So the crowdsource is the Kickstarter exclusive relic. So, and uh, if that is in a baggie, is it in a baggie? It is in a baggie. With like, uh, probably 11 other cards. Uh, yeah, it looks like it. Or maybe 10 other cards. Um, yeah, so that, what you have is the uh, expansion for the game. And that okay. was a fun thing that came out of the Kickstarter was uh, one of the pledge levels was that people could get me to draw one of their D&D characters and turn it into a Relic Blade character. And oh. so, um, so the people that pledged at that level... Uh, you know, gave me their ideas about their characters, you know, a description about their background. And so there's a bunch of really, like, really crazy dynamic characters that people uh, brought to me. And one thing about the the core characters for Relic Blade is they're all very, I mean, generic isn't the right word, but they aren't unique persona exactly. They're more like archetypes. And because I wanted to really go for, like, uh, the archetypes of those characters. And so this expansion gave me a chance to do the opposite of archetypes and have like really specific named characters with like really powerful abilities that are, are, are tie into their backgrounds and stuff. So, um, so I was able to make like essentially a booster pack of characters and come out with the first expansion for Relic Blade all just really uh, organically through the Kickstarter process. And so that's a really fun collaborative expansion that I was able to release and include um, for people that were willing to buy it. Uh, but yeah, so you can pop that open and you'll see uh, some really fun characters like Sinvar the Sneak is a, like a lizard man assassin. Yeah, and, uh, I, I actually couple, just flipped to him as I was going through. Um, a- yeah, he's awesome. He's, he's great on the table. I got to say, those characters aren't, strictly playtested like the core characters (laughs) so so you may find if you are playing with a friend that's regularly using sinvar or something uh, maybe he's op but that's not the point the point is that he's he is a badass like you just ran into sinvar (laughs) you just ran into sinvar you just got sinvard (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) woogie wogglebuck yeah woggy yeah he's a good one (laughs) <laughs> I think I just need to play with him just for the name. Yeah, no kidding. He's a, he's a gnome blacksmith. Yep. And oh. he's like a tanky character that got kicked in the head by a horse. And so you can see that he has like a hoof mark gouged out of his head on the side. Yeah, so the characters, it's really fun because... Uh, the collaboration was between me and the people that made up the characters, but I did the art for it based on their descriptions. Uh, uh, It's a lot of stuff that I wouldn't have thought of drawing myself, but that's the fun of comic books, which is one of my other jobs 
um, is that the writer gives me all these prompts and then together we make something that I wouldn't have made otherwise. And it's really fun. So that expansion I really like, and I'm looking forward to uh, trying to bring more collaboration into Relic Blade in the future. Yeah, no, those, those do look, uh, look interesting. They each get something a little bit unique to them. And, and that definitely seems like a lot of fun. Uh, and so then and also, oh, go the, ahead. The, oh, sorry. One of the uh, stretch goals we unlocked the Dark Wanderer, which yep. is like an evil hero or dark. I guess you aren't a hero if you're evil. So a dark champion of some kind. So, um, so with the expansion, the Legends expansion that you're holding, I was able to include the character cards for the Dark Wanderer because uh, producing cards can be a little bit costly and complicated. So it was a good way for me to be able to offer the character cards associated with that character um, without having to like do a new print run of a bunch of cards and sort them out in different ways. So, um, yeah. So, so in there you'll be able to get like early access to the dark wanderer and also his dark watcher. Uh, it's like a different build for him where he can use a longbow instead of a club or X. Interesting. Um, so I'm, I'm looking here and there was that, the other set, it's all the core cards. So it's got your upgrades and your character cards and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then off in the corner, uh, I see that we've got some dice, always awesome to get dice. Yeah, that was fun. It's a, it was a, a consideration that I, I wasn't originally planning on including dice. Because, like, like as a gamer, me and everyone I know owns a ton of dice. But uh, but I ended up... The game Relic Blade is so friendly to people that haven't played games before that I found that I was selling it to a lot of people that actually didn't own dice and didn't even know where to go to buy gaming dice. <laughs> so so I, I felt like it was a really smart move to just, like, just put everything in the box. Like, don't make people go anywhere. You know, so as long as you have super glue, you can actually play Relic Blade right out of the box. Right. Um, so on top of that was the Dark Wanderer, and actually it appears there's a second one, so I can I can build the Dark Watcher as well. Oh yeah, I think I threw threw in an extra one since we were doing this um, this uh, podcast. I gave you some bonuses. Awesome. I always like bonuses. I won't, I, I won't lie. So, uh, yeah, so I can do uh, both builds, and it did pop out of the sheet. Well, so we'll, no, uh, so it did pop out of the sheet, the, the punch sheet, but there is the um, the measuring uh, card. I forget what Yeah, yeah, so, so the, the sheet down at the bottom... Uh, is the punch board. And so that has all the tokens on it. And then also same same principle as including dice. I included two measurement gauges. Uh, and that way, you know, the same people that don't have dice don't have to go into their garage and use some giant, like, carpenter's tape measure. But, you know, they got gaming-appropriate <laughs> measurement options. You know? Right. Um, and, yeah, I, I like that. Um, and actually... Feeling the cardboard on that, it's uh, it's it's a pretty dense feeling cardboard. It's 
I, I yeah, it's like... the same for for the people that can't see it. It's the same like gauge um, and uh, density and everything as like the X-wing tokens or other fantasy flight tokens that you get. So you'll be able to pop them out and play with all of them um, instead of like the the um, linen finish that they use. It's more of a gloss finish on the relic blade tokens, but that'll give you an idea of what we're what we're looking at, like real solid board game component ready right. for gaming. Yeah, it, it definitely it definitely does have that feeling. And actually, um, it to me, and it's been a little while since I picked up my X Wing stuff, but it feels a little bit even denser, like heftier than some of the stuff you have with your X Wing. Um, yeah, nice. So so it definitely felt good. Now I'm opening, uh, it's a package that has a green dot on the front of it. Ooh, so, the green dot. The green dot. I went with the green dot instead of the uh, red dot first. So we'll see what's inside the green dot. All right, so we've got some uh, some bases. Those are always handy. And we got pigmen! Woohoo! And... Looking at these, and I've had the Dark Wanderer I've just been looking at, so I I like that package. It's actually a nice package for the pigmen. Um, gonna have to cut it open as I take pictures as we do this. So I will post up pictures as we go along. Look at all these little accessories. Yeah, they got. Lots of weapon options. They do. I, I like that. That's uh, it's tons different, different sizes and shapes of swords, axes and clubs, um, two-handed axes, one-handed axes. Um, all right, now now we've got a pigman, and um, oh my goodness! You know, this is actually the first uh, model I've taken out of the uh, packaging, and the detail is just. The detail's amazing. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, for for people that are familiar with Infinity uh, scale models, I would say this this matches. It's, yeah, I think that uh, the Infinity comparison is is pretty close because they aren't the scale is a little bit taller than your average wargaming stuff, but it's less heroic. So compared to like Warhammer or something, uh, their hands aren't quite as exaggerated. Their weapons and stuff aren't as exaggerated, but um, but they're a little bit taller. So it it sort of evens out. It's not true scale, but it's a little bit more infinity scale, whatever you'd call that. Right. Um, so that's that's not even what I mean, but that is a good description because they are they're thirty millimeter instead of the twenty eight millimeter, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so they're thirty millimeter, and so that is a good scale. But I'm I'm just talking about the actual casting quality, the uh, the level of detail. Um, it feels very close to the Infinity models, which which set a pretty high bar for uh, metal miniatures. Yeah, the uh, the process I use is really similar to the Infinity process because um, I sculpt all my models in ZBrush. So that uh, that gives you the opportunity to really get some really crisp, clean detail in there. 
and, you know, go back and fix stuff really easily. So, so even though I'm uh, not as, uh, you know, I've been in the sculpting game for very long. I've only been sculpting for like a little over a year and a half, but, um, but using ZBrush and really studying hard and, and working on it, I've been able to get the detail and quality of my models right up there um, out, of, out of the box. That's, that's cool. It, it definitely shows. There's, there's plenty of love. Now, as I uh, quickly rush to open up what must be the heroes in the red dot bag, yep. I, am, uh, I am not displeased. There is, there's a whole bunch of them. That bear is a pretty good size, too. So let's see. We've got... All right, so that's the relic. Oh, yeah, I'm really excited about how that figure turned out. Um, it's my first, like, one-piece model. So, um, you know, you don't have... There's no assembly. It's all it's all one-piece. But I was able to have lots of, like, holes and gaps and position to make it look quite dynamic, even though it's really cleanly one-piece in a two-part mold. So um, for people that maybe aren't super familiar, you know, if you sandwich, make a sandwich over a model, you can't have anything out of that plane really, um, unless you have it be a separate piece. So really dynamic models need to be multiple parts so that the mold works. But I wanted to make a one piece model, something really simple, but also have it still stay quite dynamic. And I'm super pumped about how that model came out, like really crisp detail and, um, and lots of good, uh, dynamism, even though it's only one piece, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it it does. It looks it it is a gorgeous piece. I like it. Um, and yeah, all the god, all the all how it's shaped. It's it's very clean. Very. I can't wait to paint it. That's 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 what it is. Yeah. Sweet. Good. Yeah, yeah it's fun. It, I mean, it's, you know, it's the objective marker. Um, but I felt like since it's a miniatures game, it made sense for the objective to be a miniature. Like, you want it to really be modeled. I can't expect everyone that plays Relic Blade to model, like, gorgeous terrain. But at least the context of the objective will be a, a really interesting piece rather than just, like, a quarter sitting on the table. Yeah, no, uh, I... I really love that. I I do like that that's included because it does add that slightly uh, larger dimension to the game. You know, now now you really do have a relic. No matter what it is, there's something there to mark it. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of fun on that uh, on the model. There are at least three identifiable relics from the um, core game deck on that piece. So you're not sure whether it's the crown or the sword that's the magic item that you're looking for. It. Yeah, um, it it definitely is. That's it's it's nice. I like it. I like it a lot. So, and then finally, we've got our our token sheet. So. 
already talked about one of the uh, measuring gauges um, and the second one. Second one's actually a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so with the game mechanics are uh, that a character has a certain number of action dice they can spend. Right. And uh, and so you use more dice to do more complex things, but movement in particular is is the least complicated thing you do. And it's one die per move. And uh, most of the heroes move three inches per die. So I wanted the, there to be a hero gauge where there'd be a convenient way to measure three inches each time. Um, whereas the pigs are a little bit, well, they aren't necessarily that much faster, but they, their move is, is speed four. So for each die they spend, they move four inches. And so on the, on the bad guy's gauge, there's a four inch that makes it a little bit easier. So the, they're a little bit more streamlined or customized for the factions. And I thought that'd be a nice way to uh, make measuring easier for the specific types of models you're bringing to the table. And I, I definitely think it does. I, um, I like it quite a bit. And the artwork on them is, is awesome. Because they're also two different styles uh, or two different backgrounds to it. So yeah, yeah, the, uh, the background, those landscape paintings I did, um, they match the back card backs of the character cards. So the the pig card backs are that like weird lava scape, and then the heroes have that forest scape um, on their back card backs. So. So they match their faction in that way. That's that's very awesome. Nice little touch, and and that's the thing. I, I we've been saying it the whole way through this. You know, hey, that's a really cool little touch. This is a really cool little touch. It's just a huge amount of attention to detail that it makes me go. I forget how much I spent, but my wife remembers, and even <laughs> she would say it's it was worth it. Sweet, that's good. Um, and then looking at the tokens, they have that hand-drawn, you know, as you said, you know, before, it's part of your theme in this. And it's got that hand-drawn, slightly cutesy look. I mean, even the dead guy, you're like, oh, it's so cute. And then you're like, oh. <laughs> oh, that, then that guy bleeding out. He's fine. <laughs> and that, But cute. there's a pile of blood. It, but it looks yeah. so cute. I mean, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... It's. I mean, I, I wouldn't be true to myself if I made a, an action game that wasn't at least a little lighthearted. So. Exactly, and it does. It gives you a nice lighthearted, and you know, it. That's that's part of the theme throughout this. Uh, you know, the aim of the game is to be played in about thirty to forty-five minutes. Yep. You're playing it on a two-by-two two table, so you're you're you know, it's it is your quintessential. Uh, beer and pretzels game yeah you get stuck in really quick like you can't there there aren't a couple of turns of of positioning and waiting to see who alphas it's you gotta like really get in there and get the fight on so and and actually i've definitely been running into that uh that alpha problem with kings of war lately oh Um, yeah my my main opponent plays orcs and i'm playing horses but he keeps moving just enough where he's, you know, out of range so that I can't strike him. And I'm like, well, I can't move because, you know, he's going to hit me. And, 
you know, either one of us, our charge is what matters. So <laughs> it's yeah, exactly. it's a it's a game of trying to taunt one into the other so that we can. Uh, that's that's probably. I mean, if you guys ended up doing that for a couple of days, that'd be uh, an accurate representation of ancient warfare. Where you just like <laughs> set up camp, and, like, shout at each other for you know a solid week. So that is the box set for uh, the two-player starter set for Relic Blade. Yeah. And, and it's amazing. And I, you know what? I just remembered that, you know, even though we've talked about it and if people went back, uh, you know, a few episodes, actually a bunch of episodes now, they would find it. But uh, give us a real quick... Um, you know, breakdown of how Relic Blade is played and, um, well, yeah, how, how Relic Blade's played and a little bit of the backstory. That's the other word. Yeah, okay. So, um, so Relic Blade, as far as the gameplay mechanics go, I'd say it's uh, sort of a fun way to describe it to actual gamers is that it's like if, if D&D and Warhammer had a baby, but their marriage didn't last because they're fundamentally different. And the baby <laughs> went into foster care and was raised by X-Wing Miniatures game. So it's like, uh, <laughs> you've got, you've got uh, heroes that are really characterful and, uh, and with lots of abilities and then upgrade cards like in X-Wing where you, you work on your squad building and get into the minutia of those but it's not overly complicated, but it's really engaging, you know, trying to make sure you don't spend too many points, but you want your characters to be strong. You can really build it in that, like an ace and a couple of supporting guys. Uh, so you, it, there's a lot of squad building that goes into the game and it's all done through character cards and upgrade cards. And then uh, the heroes are more like a D&D party. Whereas at this point, the pigs are more like an army where they have, they benefit from using more squad tactics where they support each other. There's a shield pig that can defend his friends with his shield. There's uh, heavy hitters with halberds that have reach so they can actually fight from the second rank in a shield wall. And so you end up playing them uh, as like a monsters army you get more of a wargaming feel, whereas the heroes are more like a, a tank DPS healer, uh, dramatic heroes trying to fight against overwhelming odds sort of feel. So uh, you get that sort of fun quality uh, with the different play styles between the two factions. And then uh, in the future, as I come out with more models, you know, you'll be able to put big monsters in the bad guy's side, or, you know, Dark Lords on the bad guy side. And then the heroes, there will be more of the character classes rounded out where you'll really get to choose what kind of spellcasters or healers or, uh, you know, hunters and rogues and all of that stuff in there. So um, that's sort of like the, the game mechanics of it, that, you know, you've got the cards, um, you've got action action dice you get to spend, and... It, it gets really exciting how you're going to use your actions to get the most out of your characters and their upgrades. Um, and then as far as the story goes, it's uh, a, a world that has 
gone, been through a cataclysm. And, um, and in a lot of ways, I mean, it's the, the fantasy tropes in a way of, you know, in Lord of the Rings, it's post Sauron being defeated and they're sort of recovering, but the bad guys are coming back. But in this case, it, it, they really, really just barely averted the apocalypse. And it was a mysterious resolution where there was an evil god that had just swamped the world and monsters and was just in the perfect position to completely dominate the world. But a mysterious force broke him apart and the army scattered and no one knows exactly how it happened. But they do know that it happened too late. Uh, uh, Civilization as it was is is destroyed and the survivors in the hundred few hundred years that have passed have very little connection to what the world was like before. And in the wake of the adversary being on the planet, um, there are tons of wandering monsters and the wilderness has become completely savage. So the survivors mostly subsist in, in, small walled cities, you know, when they go out, you know, uh, uh, traders or merchants travel still, they have to, but it's super dangerous. You know, they always need a couple of hardy heroes to go along and protect the caravan, you know? So, so there's a wide world out there, but it's, it's very disconnected from each other. And, um, and now things have shifted again, where the adversary seems to be regaining power. And the pigmen that were sort of a problem before are becoming more organized. And, uh, you know, like a beehive that's been agitated, things are kind of amping up again. And there are people that believe that the way to the path to salvation, the path to reclaiming the world would be to go into the ruins. Uh, the world is just covered in ruins scattered across the face of the planet, overrun with monsters, extremely dangerous dungeons of every kind, but they're full of magic items from the ancient world. And so that, those are those relics. And they think that the key to surviving is going to be to actually claim all of those relics. So equally as, as the heroes are uh, setting out into the wilderness to claim these relics, there are also uh, groups of evil people and monsters and pigs that are also trying to claim those relics because there's some uh, some power in those magic items that's that's really going to turn the tide, and um, and so the game is focused around claiming the magic item and and battling with the other warbands that are there searching for those items. So so that's the um, sort of an overview of the world state as it is, but it's really you know I mean it's it's about giving lots and lots of design space as a creator and then also to create a world that anything can happen for you as a player. Right. So, um, I want to make a sandbox that's open to any kind of 
dungeon and any kind of monsters and any kind of heroes that can all live in this, in this awful uh, adventure world, you know, I mean, and, and it's, and like I said, it's, it's not a grim setting. It's, it's pretty lighthearted. So uh, there's lots of room for wacky adventures and exciting uh, monsters and great battles all throughout the world of Relic Blade. Awesome. And so with that and, you know, kind of the sandbox and continuing with the play, you do actually have a little section that I noticed before towards the back of the main rule book that talks about narrative play. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's mostly just a, a nod toward that, that the game is, is about, adventure and the game is about heroes and like that moment that crowning moment of of um heroic action in this like deadly encounter that they're facing uh, however at this point i don't have like a full campaign rule set where you know heroes rather than leveling up in the course of a battle you choose what upgrades you'll take according to your points um, to have certain characters be more advanced in their skills so, um, so it's not, even though I would love for it to be more like more time where you get, you have your characters or Frostgrave is a really great contemporary example. Um, but at this point, Relic Blade doesn't have that. It's more about that, like that one deadly encounter that these heroes get into. Um, but in the future, I'm really looking forward to being able to create uh, campaign supplements and uh, definitely be excited to make character advancement, but in the meantime, also really looking into making more, more adventure um, scenarios and things like that. Definitely. Um, Because it definitely seems to lend itself that way. Um, Especially when you look granted, one side's always kind of playing the monsters though with some of the things you can add in there, even, you know, I, I have to look at it more, but say the Dark Wanderer, you could possibly, you know, add the Dark Wanderer in there or some other character like that to beef up the other side as the other player is, you know, I've got all these adventurers and then you're like, well, I've got one dark hero. He's going to come kick your ass while, you know, the pigs stomp on you. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of room for, um, the pigs have a lot of great upgrades and stuff, and there's a lot of room for for different kinds of monsters that can get thrown in there. So I'm really looking forward to sculpting, in particular, like an ogre that I did the artwork for already. I'm really excited to get that character on the table, too. That's awesome. So you've mentioned a couple of things with um, expanding the line, and I know mm-hmm. that you are exhausted from just finishing <laughs> up this campaign because not only did you finish this campaign but you had to help finish up a comic book campaign too, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So that I think uh, was one of the, it turned out to be one of the biggest challenges of the Kickstarter fulfillment was um, I ran my Kickstarter simultaneously with my friend's Kickstarter. And he was looking to fund uh, a comic book, the volume two of a comic book that I'm the lead artist on. And so 
we worked together and we uh, both of our Kickstarters funded and it was great. And I had a month set aside to do the Relic Blade stuff and then a month set aside to do the B-Squad stuff. And um, with the box ended up taking like a month longer than I expected. So then drawing B-Squad got pushed into when I was supposed to be doing fulfillment. And so this month has been like one of the craziest months I've been through where I had to draw a whole comic book while also simultaneously doing Kickstarter fulfillment. And it was, it was nuts. Uh, you know, I didn't think I'd end up in that position because I, I draw fast, I work hard and I didn't think it, it would catch up to me like that. But, you know, my hardest work, it caught up to me and I ended up just having to, you know, stop sleeping and stop taking weekends and just working really, really hard this month. But, um, I, I <laughs> you, you did finish. And, uh, I remember talking to you earlier this month, if not the begin, uh, late last month going, Hey, we want to bring you on. We know you're getting close to fulfillment and, you know, we just kind of want to, you know, sit down and see how it's going and, yeah. and all that. <laughs> and you're like, that sounds awesome, but that sounds horrible at the same time. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I was, I'm excited to take the time to chat. Um, but yeah, I've been just like, I've been going on all, all hours of every day. And like, you know, it's great when you finally get to go to sleep, but then you, uh, dream all night about all the work that you need to do. And so it's like you were working all night without getting anything done. Uh, I've had a lot of I, I do know how that one is. And that is, that one definitely is, is kind of rough. So you've mentioned some of your plans. Um, how far in the future are you waiting to, uh, start implementing some of those? Uh, for Relic Blade? Yeah, for Relic Blade. Yeah, so I am going to San Diego Comic Con in next month. So, what, I mean, you know, everyone knows when San Diego Comic Con is. If they, um, if they don't, you can look it up. It's it's like the last or late late July. So I'll be at San Diego Comic Con. We'll be showing B Squad, and I'll have Relic Blade there. So if anyone that's listening is going to be at that show, you got to come by and check out the game but um and it'll be under b squad yeah so i'll be at san diego comic con i'm going to uh take this month to like shore up all of the little loose ends that uh that got sort of left behind in the chaos of doing the two main objectives which was drawing b squad and shipping relic blade um but yeah the the goal is get through San Diego Comic Con, and then I'm going to take like a couple weeks vacation, and then as soon as I get back, I'm going to be working on the next Relic Blade stuff, as well as I've got more conventions booked f- through the fall. Awesome. So, in the next couple months, we might actually see some of the extra extra things, like the ogre you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. I mean, I can't. Nothing set in stone, of course, and um, and knowing how much work goes into that stuff, um, I'd look toward a winter release. Um, it might get pushed into early 
or like first quarter 2017 is that weird? holy moly yeah right? yeah 2017 that's weird to say anyways yeah uh, i I'm, i'd look toward a winter release of more stuff um but yeah the the dark wanderer isn't out yet even though you got to hold your hands on it and so that that'll come out and I'll, i'm going to have a few more models that sort of round out his um his faction sort of um character he'll have some companions that go with him awesome yeah uh, definitely cool i um i look forward to seeing more like i said this is probably going on the table this weekend to play with some friends you know just a quick beer and pretzels with some people i haven't seen in a while so um you know i i am looking forward to testing it out yeah that'll be awesome i'm looking forward to hearing what you think yeah just like even uh the the quick start guide the one night against two pigs can be a pretty exciting little bout uh yeah it looks like it um and you know when we talked last time you had you had talked about doing a lot of a lot of play testing and balancing and so i really look forward to putting this through its paces mm-hmm. yeah yeah, good. It's fun. Uh, one of my one of my good friends. He's like really hardcore gamer. Like really excited about tabletop games in particular. And uh, you know, he's my best friend. And so when I first showed it to him, he's like, "Yeah, okay, yeah, all right, I get it. I like it. You, you, I see what you did there." And then um, and then later, he got to take it and introduce one of his other friends to it, and they went and. They hadn't seen each other in a long time, and they ended up playing, like, 16 games over the weekend and, like, taking it to the <laughs> local game store. And he's like, man, the more I play it, like, the, be- the better it is. The All the, like, different upgrade interactions and all that stuff, it, I feel, like, so in control of everything. It's really great. And it was funny because, you know, at first I could tell he was, like, you know, obligated to be like, oh, good job, Sean. It's a game. You did it. Uh, but then later he's like, oh, this is actually one of my favorite games. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I'm excited to see how how more people receive it. That's, yeah, no, I uh, I totally get that. And it's, it's always one of the best reviews to hear, right? You know, we couldn't put it down. Yeah. So. Yeah, like on the, speaking of the Gorilla, gorilla uh, Miniatures Gaming, um, Ash did a, a battle report, and then like right afterwards, they played another game. <laughs> <it's just> like... <laughs> I, I think I remember him talking about that. He's like, yeah. "All right, bye, people. We're gonna go play another game now." <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it it looks like a lot of fun, so I'm excited. So, for those people who didn't back the Kickstarter, those lazy bums, or, you know, may, maybe they just didn't hear about it in time. Yeah, you know, and Kickstarter has, like, sort of a dubious reputation if you backed some bad campaigns in the past. So it's possible for people to have their reservations. It's That's very true. And actually, you delivered, like, right on time, so that's awesome. So for those who, you know, were afraid of the Kickstarter or who didn't hear about the Kickstarter, but now have heard me describe the two-player box set and everything that came in it, 
and all of the awesome gloriness of it, do you have more available? Yeah, uh, the two-player box set is available on relicblade.com. So um, you can get up in there and order yourself the two-player set. And right now, that's the only place it's available. I'm looking at trying to get some distribution, but, like, I mean, it's been available for, like, 12 hours, so I should give myself a break. <laughs> Actually, uh, yeah, um... it's out, and, so, and I've got a big pile of them. And, um, you know, I'll be at San Diego Comic-Con, and you can come and get a set there if you're there, um, and I'll sign it for you. Otherwise, yeah, relicblade.com, you'll be able to pick up. Relicblade.com. Awesome. Um, you need to let me know once you get the distribution lined up or um, possibly some bulk ordering because I'll have to talk to the the local game shop or shops around here and be like, hey, pick this up. I'll bring my set in. You know, once once you get a few copies in, we'll demo it out and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get some of them rolling. Yeah, that sounds really good. I... I I know basically nothing about uh, how to really set up distribution, so so that's my next order order of business. Is like, oh wow, I've got a bunch of really cool box sets ready to be all over the world, and uh, so time to do it. Well, I'll after the show, I'll I'll talk with you some because I might know somebody who can uh, help explain how they do their distribution as a small indie studio. Yeah, freaking sweet. That'd be good. Yeah. Awesome. So I think we're at about time for the evening. It's been great having you on, Sean. Same as Yeah, man, thank you. It was definitely fun to be able to put bookends on it because the campaign was such chaos. And now, like, I delivered on time, and uh, I'm really happy to be able to Especially that I was able to get it in your hands in time for this show. I think that's pretty fun. I know. I saw that picture where you're like, I'm shipping it out today. And I was like, hmm, now I'm just going to sit here and pout for the show when I saw the picture <laughs> yesterday. Because it's going to like show up the day after. My doorbell's going to ring as soon as we finish. And I'm not going to have it. Hmm. No, no, no. Cool. But I got home from work and it was sitting there waiting for me. I may or may not have squeed a little bit. I'll admit. Right. <laughs> okay. But any final uh, comments or thoughts, Sean? I think that's it. Just, you know, for those of you listening, uh, I'm really, you know, I'm available to answer questions on email and, and uh, I'm really would be honored if you guys would check it out. So, so tell your friends. All right, so if you haven't actually checked out the game yet, RelicBlade.com, Metal King Studio. This is the first edition, and it's got pigment. I mean, you know, what else do we need? I don't know, man. I guess Fishman. Fishman? Ooh, Fishman. Fish, yeah. Little fish goblins. That's what I <laughs> Fish goblins. That sounds awesome. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to another episode of Skirmish Supremacy. To see more of the antics that Nick and I do, you can check us out on Facebook at Skirmish Supremacy. We also have Twitter, which we can be reached at Skirmish Supreme, because apparently Skirmish Supremacy does not fit in Twitter. 
And if you want to email us directly, you can reach us at tim at skirmishsupremacy.com or nick at skirmishsupremacy.com. Thanks for listening.